0: on today for the heart and soul of America and the right side must win it's time for America can we talk with Debbie George Addis on America can we talk we talk truth about America and why it matters to you America can we
1: talk starts now good evening and welcome to my show I'm Debbie George welcome to America can we talk And to my first five there is so much conversation in this country you know this not just the midterms in November but kind of how divided America is and how there's so much, you know, there's just anger and name-calling it and people are lamenting the the vitriol in politics and it's so hateful. Why can't we just get along? And I always come back to the point I'm going to say in this show that politics and elections and government is not about personality. It is about policies and ideas. That is the purpose of political discussion. And it should be about policies ideas and facts not emotion not what would make you feel better if it could be true but what is true and in particular California which I will say is a state near and dear to my heart you know my um, I after law school back East I went to a big law firm in California met my husband um, you know who is a lawyer in the same firm we were married um, you know, we had all our kids out there. We worked in a big corporate law firm. I mean, I, I love California, and we're out there a lot because our, um, our one daughter lives there. And um, we, anyway, so we're out there a lot. We have family out there still. So I want, I'm not sharing this news with glee, but I want to talk to you about California from the perspective of the idea that policies matter. Not feel-good left-wing blather speak, but facts, ideas And policies. So in California, touted by the way, California is often spoken of, for example, by Missouri Senator Claire McCaskill. She's identified California Senator Kamala Harris as the party leader on issues of immigration and race. And Kamala Harris wants a moratorium on the construction of new immigration detention facilities. She wants all sorts of Policies And California is touted as this place that is the most woke state in America, it, it, that has an exceptionally economically just a post-racial reality in America. That's how California is painted. These are the words when you're a lefty that you want to portray. Look at California, how great it is. So you could think, well, California is nice. I sure love those beaches. But what's the reality? What are the facts? What is the outcome of left-wing Policy. And let me just give you some facts and figures. California does not measure up based on educational attainment, income growth, home ownership, social mobility for traditionally disadvantaged minorities. And so this is bad news for California because it's already three fifths non white trending in that direction. So let me give you just some straight out facts because these facts about California are the direct result of liberal left wing blatherspeak ridiculous, unworkable ideas. Here we go. To a remarkable extent, all the efforts, all the the immigrants, and many immigrants to California, minorities, they bring energy, entrepreneurial energy, they bring a work ethic. Here's the reality. 28% of California's black population are impoverished, higher than the national average of 22%. So black Americans in California are poorer than the national average in America. Fully one-third of California's Latinos, now the state's largest ethnic group, live in poverty. So that is one-third. That would be 33% compared with 21% as the national average. And half of Latino households earn under $50,000 annually. Which means in a high-cost state, and believe me, California is a high-cost state, most of them can barely afford to make ends meet. Only uh, over two-thirds of the non-citizen Latinos, the group most loudly defended, live at or below the poverty level. Those would be the people that are here illegally. They use the expression, the non-citizen Latinos, meaning illegal immigrants, live below the poverty level. Uh, they also have just an extraordinary problem with the cost of housing out there. You know, this California miracle, life is pr- beautiful and perfect out there, except, of course, it's just not. Now, California has some great numbers, sometimes economically, because they have a very high, a very small, tiny sliver of high-echelon, big-time earners. But in, they um, do not have the reality is that for most people in California – Life is not going well economically. There's very little social mobility upwards. There is very little, in fact, I'll read another quick statistic. Um, Shift in employment from industrial to software industries, as well as the extraordinary presence, 40% of non citizens, fewer opportunities for blue collar workers to find jobs in California. Incomes are soaring in the Silicon Valley San and San Francisco, but wages for African Americans and Latinos in the Bay Area declined. I raise all this to say because we're going to have a major discussion in the 2018 midterms about socialism. Of course, we're going to go to after the next break. What what socialism is, what Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is advocating, what her th- which she has the assessment of a you know third grader uh, in terms of understanding economics. We're going to get to her. And other people supporting socialism because the argument is we're working to make life fairer. Well, California is the microcosm. If you want to just reject Venezuela, say, oh, stop comparing us to Venezuela. We're not going to be Venezuela. Okay, America doesn't even want to be California. California is already trying all these whack job liberal ideas that socialism pushes and making life worse for poor Californians. Making life worse worse for minorities in California. So if you really, truly care about those people, you need to run away from every socialist candidate you hear about. Debbie George S., America Can We Talk. Come right back.
2: The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. And Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty. On America's college campuses, does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting the fire.org and consider lending fire your support.
3: The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyscholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dream. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit armyscholarshipfoundation.org and get involved today.
4: and helping them through their short-term struggles make a difference today and help serve america's military families visit operationhomefront.org that's Homefront.org.
5: do you dream of a better world one where poverty and hunger are a thing of the past what if you could make a real difference in the lives of those most in need the solution to poverty is not handouts but hope The freedom and opportunity to use one's talents and resources for good. At Five Talents, we empower the poor to start their own small businesses. Five Talents works in some of the most difficult places in the world. With $85, you can help a new entrepreneur escape from poverty and build a sustainable business that helps her whole family. Can you think of anywhere else your gift can work that effectively? When you walk with Five Talents, you bring opportunity to those most in need. Join us in demonstrating the greatness of American generosity. Visit 5talents.org today to learn about the impact you can make. That's 5talents.org. F I V E talents.org. Can you hear us now?
1: Can you hear us? And welcome back to America, can we talk? Well, the nation's attention, of course, was drawn, which people, it was just people, it was a big deal when a 28-year-old young woman won a Democrat primary in the state of New York. She ousted a long-term Democrat incumbent, a, a white, older guy who had served in the United States Congress, representing that district for 10 terms or 20 years. This young woman's name is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And I'm going to play a clip of her in a moment, but I want to just issue this Huge word of caution. People who are informed about economics can listen to the things she says and go, she has no idea what she's talking about. That they, they can, we all, informed Americans who have, you know, took economics 101 in college, can hear her and realize she makes no sense at all. Her ideas are absurd. It's just a childlike fantasy, you know, utopian talk. But I'm, my, my word of warning is this. She's very pretty. She's very snappy in her appearance, very fun to listen to, very almost charismatic. In fact, a tiny, kind of a tiny bit like the way Barack Obama was when he g- garnered the nation's attention when he spoke at the Democrat National Convention. He was the, the hit of the convention. The fact that what he was proposing was profoundly anti-American, was a radical leftist agenda, a very socialist agenda, didn't matter To the millions who were charmed by him this woman this young lady who's who won that primary and and I will say in terms of politics meaning the day-to-day work you do to get elected she worked hard I mean this is someone who who she did not she wasn't famous she didn't have a you know famous family last name she had tenacity she knocked on doors and said hi I'm Alexandria I'm running for Congress I'd love your support She knocked on doors. She won in in that way, very fair and square, because the incumbent Democrat guy, who is very confident, he's got whatever that district is, plus eight or plus a million, doesn't matter. It's a Democrat district. You know, the Democrats can win. So she's won the seat by winning the primary. But the the incumbent did not think it was worth, uh, didn't think he needed to work. And so he lost. And this is the way politics go. But my warning to you is this young woman, we need to focus on her ideas understand how appealing she may be to the uninformed and we have to be able to talk in a substantive way about what her ideas would do to america this is why i started the show talking about california california is in addition to everything i said in the opening segment it is deeply in debt they just passed something saying essentially that everybody including illegal aliens Gets access to free healthcare. I mean, it is this utopian. Why can't we all just make everything free? Thing. I'm going to play a clip to start with this morning. This evening, excuse me. About uh, where she was interviewed recently. This is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the winner of the primary in New York's uh, New York Democrat district for U.S. Congress, interviewed on um, on Comedy Central by Noah Trevor. This is Alexandria.
2: Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> how do you pay for these? You know, you always see people coming in with economic arguments. Mm-hmm. And they say, look, these numbers don't really add up. You know, in mm-hmm. order to get health care for everybody, this is what it would cost. Mm-hmm. That's going to be troubling. Even if you reverse the Republican tax deal, that's only going to make up 5% of what mm-hmm. we need to pay for Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how do you pay for education for all? How do you pay yeah. for all of these these ideas? So, uh,
0: this is, an, this is an excellent, excellent question. And, in fact, there's a lot of back-of-the-envelope stuff based on our values. So, for example, I sat down... Um, with a Nobel Prize economist last week. I can't believe I can say that, it's really weird. But but one of the things that we saw is if people pay their fair share, if corporations and the ultra-wealthy, for example, as Warren Buffett likes to say, if he paid as much as his secretary paid, 15%, if he paid a 15% tax rate, if uh, corporations paid... uh, if we reverse the, the tax bill but went, raised our, our corporate tax rate to 28%, which is not even as high as it was before. Right. Um, if, we, if we do those two things and also close some of those loopholes, that's $2 trillion right there. That's $2 trillion in ten years. And it's wide, one of the wide estimates is that it's gonna take 3 to $4 trillion to transition us to a 100% renewable energy economy. So we got $2 trillion from folks paying their fair share, which they were not paying before the Trump tax bill. Right weren 't no like they weren 't paying that before the Trump tax bill. if we get people to fa- to pay their fair share that 's two trillion in ten years now if we implement a carbon tax on top of that so that we can transition and and financially incentivize people away from fossil fuels if we implement a carbon tax that 's an additional amount of um, of of a large amount of revenue that we can have. And then the last key, which is extremely, extremely important, is reprioritization. Just last year, we gave the military a $700 billion uh, uh, budget increase, which they didn't even ask for. They're like, we don't want another fighter jet. Like, (laughs) they're like, don't give us another nuclear bomb. They They didn't even ask for it. And we gave it to them. And so a lot of what we need to do is reprioritize what we want to accomplish as a nation.
1: Okay, if you thought, if you just tuned in the middle and you thought that was like an eighth grader making a speech in class, uh, you would be actually giving her more credit than she's due. That is a future member of the United States Congress. As I say, that was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who won The Democrat primary in in an overwhelmingly Democrat district in New York. So she's going to go to Congress. In fact, there's a very lengthy interview from Comedy Central uh, by Noah Trevor, where she said many things I'm going to comment on. I just wanted to give you a flavor of how she speaks. And I started the clip by letting you hear how exuberant the audience was. You would think she had, you know, cured cancer or done something actually stunning. She won By hard work, she won a primary, but this is a woman who has no comprehension of adult life, no comprehension of what adult economics, what free market market economics mean. She actually thinks that the previous Congress, the previous budget, gave the military Money they didn't really need, they didn't even want. That the military, she talks about it like, I mean, it is like a fourth grader would say, "Well, how come the military needs, Don't they have enough Navy jets? I think I saw one at the at when at the air show, so they must have enough jets." I mean, it is a childish, irresponsible attitude. And the number one job of the federal government is, of course, national defense. It is not making sure everybody gets free everything, as this young woman is advocating. But I'm raising this because, as I said, she's appealing to many young people. We're going to play some clips in the next segment, made on the street clips of people in her district. She's dazzling them. She is dazzling them. They think she's so cool and she's going to and, – and they also – there's the, the economic, you know, concept of what free things – what she is, wants to promise people are free will cost – is completely lost on virtually all of the people, in the man on the street, and obviously on all the people who chose to vote for her. This is a woman who thinks, and even the, the most basic elementary economics will tell you, if you're going to go to 100% renewable energy, to pick on just one thing she said, 100% renewal, renewable energy, first of all, the reason that renewable energy has not taken off in this country why we don't have windmills powering america is because it is extraordinarily expensive extraordinarily unreliable people can't count on all these all this renewable energy she wants to get rid of all, all fossil fuel energy and this is a woman who's not trying to deal with facts not not interested clearly not interested in learning facts just on these socialist utopian modes so that that was one just egregiously irresponsible thing. Her comment about the military, the uh, the lack of awareness that during the eight years of President Obama's presidency, The military's budget was so significantly depleted that we could not have met a basic standard, which was a standard in our military planning our country for decades, which was we should be able to compete in two theaters of war at the same time if necessary. That used to be a standing operating procedure, an assumption that America, the beacon of liberty, the guardian of liberty in the world, had to have a robust adequate military force. That force was so gravely depleted under President Obama's presidency that all other Republican candidates running, even the ones you'd say were were kind of more moderate, were all saying, we have to rebuild our military. This was a military depleted by a guy, President Obama, who did not think that military strength on America's part, was a vital thing. Did not think of it as something that needed to be a priority in the federal budget. And this woman is looking, this candidate, This she's not a candidate. She's going to be a congresswoman, and she is a captivating president. She is all over media, all over the left-wing talk shows. CNN drools every time they can get her on. This is a woman who is running on this socialist utopia childish picture that somehow everything everyone needs can be free forever and don't worry because you are going to make the rich people pay that's basically her message and the idea that we are still in this country talking about whether this is a serious idea to be considered i don't know what to say folks we're, we're, we're just in trouble we're in big fat trouble i'm debbie georges this is america Can We talk come right back Hi, this is Debbie Georgiatis. If you are listening to America Can We Talk, you know that my show is dedicated to preserving the exceptional idea that is America. I want to take a minute to tell you what I mean by that. Unlike almost every other country on the planet, America's culture, our very identity, has nothing at all to do with ethnicity race, or national origin. Instead, America is all about ideas, including the most basic idea that each of us, simply because we were born, has the God-given right to live out our individual version of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness within the guardrails of the Constitution and our laws preserving this requires patriots in every american generation to grasp the importance of this truth to recognize and fight back against the subtle and not so subtle relentless attacks on american liberty and to speak up for and defend the unique culture of american style liberty if there's one thing the conservative movement needs it's a leader and we have one the heritage foundation hi i'm debbie Addis. heritage gets in the trenches on capitol hill They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington, and unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America, and they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org.
6: help ipi restore liberty and economic growth go to ipi.org today that's ipi.org one more time go to ipi.org today america guarantees each eligible
7: adult citizen the right to vote The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting.
1: welcome back to America. Can we talk? I really want to keep hitting on this socialism thing, folks, because it's astonishing. You think, you know, the years that many of us were released when I was growing up, everyone in America knew that socialism was something that was just simply profoundly un-American. And it is. But we're in a place now we're in 2018 midterms where we had 2016 election cycle. Bernie Sanders, he kind of I'm not saying that socialist thought wasn't in America, Prior to this, because it was, I mean, the socialist thought's been around since, I don't even know, 150 years. I mean, as, as long as, whenever Marx came along, there has been some uh, strain, strain of socialist thought in America. But it has always been recognized as un-American, left-wing, out, just off the American playing field. But we're now in that battle in this, in this time in our country. We have young people thinking socialism is about sharing, we have young people thinking that it's just mean corporations that prevent everybody from having everything they need at all times. And so you have this this kind of, I'm telling you, she's a dazzling, she is a lovely, she's pretty, she's energetic. She is. She has a not even a fourth grader's comprehension of economics, but she has a lot of energy and passion. And why shouldn't things be free and everyone should have what they want? I'm going to play a clip, just a few, this is a man in the street of people asking who were in her district, you know, what do you think about her? What do you think about her ideas? Why'd you vote for her? This is uh, that clip, whatever it is.
8: I'm Kevin Fols with Campus Reform. Today we're in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's congressional district talking to her supporters about democratic socialism. Is it any different from regular socialism, and who's going to pay for all this free stuff? Let's see what they have to say. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, just elected, 28 years old, uh, self-proclaimed democratic socialist, which has a lot of people talking. Uh, what are your views on her so far?
1: Um, I mean, I've heard only positive things. We love her.
0: Yeah, we <laughs> do love her. We've, I voted for her because I'm from Queens.
8: Uh, it was great. It's a breath of fresh air, and I hope it follows through into November.
0: I like her spirit and um, that she's very different.
8: People tend to freak out when they hear the word socialism like applied to anything. Um, and why do you think that is? I think there's this old way of thinking about it. What do you think the government should be subsidizing? Um, so her platform includes um, free healthcare, college tuition, the minimum living wage, housing as a human right. Are those things that you think the government should be providing for people? Absolutely. Uh, are those things that you would support?
2: Yes, it is. Are
8: those all things that you would support the government subsidizing? One hundred percent.
2: I feel like everyone should have like um, free
9: um, education and healthcare.
8: How are we going to pay for those?
9: Oh God. I mean. Us. Us, I guess. Who,
8: in your mind, should pay for all of the free things?
0: All of the free things? Well, some of it should come from taxes, but the government should pay for it.
8: But the government is funded by taxes. Yeah. I don't know where the money would come from, but they can figure it out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) More taxes on the rich people. Yeah, for sure, man. Like... They can afford it. Tax corporations. let tax the one percent and find a way to support a living wage. The people with a good idea and a good reason to spend their tax money wouldn't mind actually paying more taxes. There are so many of these countries out there that are employing a lot more socialism in their government and into their politics, and they're doing really well. So, is Venezuela doing that? Ooh, I don't know too much about Venezuela, honey. I think they need to. I mean. Are they still communists right now? So like... They're technically socialist. Okay. Okay.
9: Look at other countries; it works.
8: Like other countries, you pay higher taxes, but your government takes care of you. So when you see the social system failing in Venezuela, does that concern you?
1: I mean, yeah.
2: yes. obviously. <laughs>
1: My family's Cuban, and like I've seen the downfall of like extreme leftism, but also like I see how it like boosts the community, and like it has its up and downs. And I think we can definitely learn from history okay. on that term. Okay. Okay, that was not a comedy routine. That was not. That was actual people on the streets of New York who voted for this woman, many of them voted for this woman who's going to be in Congress, who actually thinks socialism is a good idea. And I, I tell you this, folks, because this, this is a failure, number one, what this reflects is a, a huge failure on the part of the public school system in America including, uh, you know, from kindergarten up and certainly the college system in America, that people don't learn that socialism creates misery. Now, obviously, lots of Americans do know that, especially better informed Americans. But this whole la-la land, everything should be free. Everyone deserves to have a living wage. And she's for universal basic income. She is for... Um, This whole idea that your health care should be free and your education should be free and everyone's entitled to good housing. and 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 you heard that one person saying, well, you know, the taxes can pay for some and the government pay for some. As though the government has money that isn't coming from taxes, which it doesn't. I mean, that was like big news to a lot of people, sadly. And some of these men in the street was that the government doesn't really have any money unless it takes away from other citizens in taxes. Now. I will say that there is there has been polling, even though there's polling, as I've shared in the show many times, among young people, college-age people, who think that socialism is, is a good thing, it's a 50-50 thing, it's probably just as good as free markets, it's kind of cool, we like socialism, but there is a recent poll out that's good news for the people with their uh, economic head on straight, um, and that was, it was a, an American barometer survey, a large survey, that even... 64 percent, even 64 percent of Democrat respondents said they would not vote for for someone who self-identified as a socialist. So even in the ranks of people who vote for big government programs, which is pretty much what Democrats do, they don't want a socialist. So we may be saved by the fact that socialism still has a pretty bad name, certainly among educated people. Certainly among Republicans, certainly among, and, and now we're understanding among a certain number of Democrats. But the uh, this polling was was pretty extensive, and it was a um, you know, Nancy Pelosi, by the way, is trying to backpedal and say, oh no, no, we you shouldn't call the Democrat Party socialist. I will say they are socialists. This is what you know. This is when you run the platform of we'll take care of you, give us more of your money, let us take control of the healthcare system, the banking industry. Every single industry we can get our fingers into, you are running on socialism. It doesn't matter if you say, no, we're just Democrats. That's what socialism is. If the government is being used to use its taxing power to take money away from people, to redistribute to others, and to take control of the means of production and the, the basic businesses in America, this is the Democrat Party core agenda. It is socialism. I'll tell you one other thing I want to to float to you. You know, in this country we have, um, we've talked throughout historically the idea, been, been aware of the danger of the tyranny of the majority. America is not a democracy. A democracy would mean you just straight out vote, majority rules, and whatever they rule becomes law. The reason America is not a democracy is because we have a constitution, because we have laws. America is a democratic republic, meaning that we have elections, but the laws, the rules that can be made are within the confines of the Constitution. So, for example, if the next Congress came along and voted that all women should lose the right to vote, that would not become a law because we have a constitutional amendment that says women get to vote. So we have the... the, Tyranny of the majority is prevented by the existence of the Constitution, our our culture, our structure of laws in our country. But what if the 435 members of the United States Congress were all Democrat Socialists Ali Ilk of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? What if all of the members of Congress were of that mindset And they voted, for example, to say no one needs to have a net worth above half a million dollars. So everybody needs to liquidate their assets and send in the money to the government and – and so you only have half a million dollars worth of of your wealth. Or everybody, you know, we're going to set a maximum you're allowed to earn every year. Everyone in this country is is prohibited from earning anything more than, you know, $200,000 a year. So if you earn more than that, you have to send it in. What if you had a socialist mindset in Congress that passed laws like that? What is it you would do? We don't have a constitutional amendment as precise as the one I was talking about a second ago, related to women voting. I mean, we would be, if we had that Cortez mindset in Congress passing laws like she would do had she the power to do it, we would have a serious crisis in this country. We'd have a serious crisis of holding on to the idea that America is a free market country. We are a free or based on freedom. We're based on the freedom of the individual. That is what our country is. But I'm raising this to say this is a dangerous, dangerous tendency we are seeing in Washington. We are seeing that this young woman winning the primary, winning the seat in Congress. It's a dangerous tendency that people who have no idea that America is based on freedom and free markets, have no idea that the ideas they're proposing are so antithetical to what America is, and they're going to be in, in Congress. It's a very dangerous course we're on. It requires— patriots to speak up and explain in your sphere of influence what it means to say america is based on freedom okay we're going to talk about this more in the second half i want to mention before we go off the break we have joining us in the next segment senator jim DeMint. he is a chairman of the conservative partnership institute love this guy you'll love him this is debbie george america can we talk come right back
6: America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today
3: the Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit armyscholarshipfoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dream. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit armyscholarshipfoundation.org and get involved today.
1: If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader and we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiades. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington, and unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America, and they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. And welcome back to America, Can We Talk? This is Debbie Georgetta, so glad you've tuned in and uh, for this Sunday evening. And as I mentioned before our break, we have Senator Jim DeMint joining us. And uh, I know we have him online. I want to give a very, uh, just a really excited and solid um, introduction for him. He is currently chairman of the Conservative Partnership Institute. It's based in Washington, or CPI, uh, Conservative Partnership Institute based in Washington, but as a very quick background, Senator Dement served in the United States House, uh, representing a district in South Carolina from 1999 to 2005. And in the United States Senate from 2005 to 2013, every conservative in America is aware of and grateful for him because he founded, among other things, a conservative, the Senate Conservatives Fund, which basically works very hard to get other conservatives elected to United States Senate, he was the uh, author of and and mover and shaker for many important policy issues in the Senate. So he's just been uh, he's been on the battle lines in America, push, uh, pushing conservative ideas. So now I want to have him tell us about his new job. So hope that that's a little bit long. Sorry about that. So good evening, Senator DeMint.
9: Well, Debbie, thank you for that uh, gracious introduction, and uh, uh, very excited to be back on your show. And thank you for what you do. Um, every day, every week, to let folks know um, what's really going on in in Washington and how they can make a difference. But um, I do appreciate the opportunity to tell you about the conservative partnership. As as you mentioned, I, I worked for years to try to elect better people to the House and the Senate, and I'm still doing that. I'm working with the House Freedom Fund and the Senate Conservatives Fund as a volunteer to help raise money for the folks who are trying to do the right thing on the inside. But what I've seen over the years, Debbie, is uh, we we spend a lot of time and effort and money electing good people <clears throat> only to see the system chop them up once they get there. Uh, everything in Washington pushes the wrong way. And uh, the folks uh, like in the House Freedom Caucus now that are trying to get some sanity in our spending and, and deal with our debt, uh, their own party often works against them. So, well, A lot of us who had led the transition for Trump and did a lot of the communications work uh, to help uh, change the um, uh, change the situation in 14 and 16 are now running what we call the Conservative Partnership Institute. We, we've just opened, Debbie, what we call the Conservative Partnership Center, a large building behind the Library of Congress where we've got a number of other groups there with us that can support members of Congress once they are elected. There are rooms for members of Congress to meet, to to have fellowship, and my role is to help develop consensus on issues so that we have more leverage to push our ideas in the right direction. And in that same building are other groups that can help them. There's some, uh, like the House Freedom Fund and the Senate Conservatives Fund have offices there to help them with their Re election. Uh, We've got some state groups like Texas Public Policy Foundation and and Power Texas there who are working on a number of national issues, particularly just federalism, moving things back to the states, uh, which is a big support to a lot of the initiatives the members are working on there in Washington. So our job is to take care of the good guys and girls once they get to the House and the Senate. As well as help them staff their offices with good people to train their staff to make sure they're good people around them uh, so um, that's what we're doing now and frankly it's the most fun thing I've ever done uh it, it's I can roll up my sleeves and get back uh, on the uh in the in the fight with the congressmen and senators um, that are doing uh, the Lord's work up there. Uh, so I appreciate the chance to tell about it. Anybody who wants to know more about it, it's at conservativepartnership.org ConservativePartnership um, dot org on the web, and um, so we'd we'd love to have people sign up and get our emails to find out what we're doing.
1: That was a great description. I actually have a list of questions I was going to ask you. You've hit most of them, but I want to go back to this area you're describing where this. Conservative Partnership Center is, first of all, it sounds like the center of gravity for conservatism in Washington. I mean, we, as you likely know, we're in Texas. The Texas Public Policy Foundation is, well, they advertise on my show. They're just among the most extraordinary state based think tanks. And Power Texans is just knocks it out of the park over and over and over on policy issues in Texas. So you've really got some strong conservative uh, thinkers there in that building, and along with all of your team. So, but that group, to be sure, clear about that. That is for members of Congress or the Senate to come to you and to try to, outside of the um, halls of Congress, to actually work through policy thinking and decisions and get to clarity on policies. That's the p- purpose of that thing, that group. Yeah, it,
9: it, yes, it is. It's, um, I mean, it, people would be surprised how isolating it is to be a congressman or senator. So they're really not good places to convene and, and meet. Uh, and just to get um, a, a few blocks Out of the Capitol, they can walk over after votes at night, uh, can get together around a big conference table or in small groups, you do just have pizza or sandwiches, just get together and talk. And I've found many times, Debbie, I mean, um, my role is often just to convene and facilitate discussion. We're not pushing particular policies. Uh, These conservatives know what the right policies are, but many times they have to sort through The the sweet spot, in effect, what is is the the common uh, areas that they can all agree on so that they can go to leadership and say, okay, we've got 40 votes, we can turn those in 100 votes if we do the right thing. We really haven't had that before, and a lot of times conservatives have so many different ideas, they never have any consensus on what they want to push, and so they don't really have any leverage, and so the, the pattern in the past is when Republicans are in charge, they get Republican moderates together and then they get some Democrats and they just jam things through. Yes. And the, the, the country keeps going in the wrong direction, too much spending and debt. So we owe it to the country to give conservative ideas a better chance. And that's that's what we're doing. We, we really we did it on repealing Obamacare. We got all the conservative votes in the House and Senate. We, we delivered every Republican ex, and except for a few of the really liberal Republicans in the Senate killed it. But on yep. the tax bill, we really helped to develop consensus. And now we work with the administration, the House and the Senate just to help everyone realizes to, to realize what is um, what can we get through? What are the common denominators to get something done? So the the tax bill wasn't what I wanted. I've been working on flat taxes and fair taxes for years. Yep. But mm-hmm. but we did get we got something across the finish line that's helping the economy, and that's the kind of thing that we want to do. But we also want to make sure that the, the members and their staff you have a counterbalance plant. It's a place that's trying to take care of them, make sure there are folks around them that can help them get reelected, uh, and. And there are a number of uh, House Republicans, conservatives that are in very tough races. So uh, I would encourage folks to go to the House Freedom Fund uh, website and and do what they can to help the the warriors up there.
1: Absolutely true. We talk about them every week. The House, and actually in the Senate too, we have some big races up in the Senate side. You mentioned staff, and I was going to say something about that—that that you help people in Congress, House or Senate. To identify, especially if they're new, they're newly elected, to find help and hire staff. I heard a story about a um, very conservative um, newly elected senator who went up to Washington, and he was actually telling me the story how you know the how the uh, powers that be in either side, House or Senate, are happy to offer to you. Say, oh, now that you're here, senator, you know, here's a good staff. Here's a person you could have for chief of staff. They they recommend staff to you, and part of what they're doing is kind of creating a, a bubble around you or a, a control mechanism where you think you're just getting help but, but they're actually the, the staff may be more aligned with the establishment more aligned with just the party line and so you you're kind of fighting your own staff and so this person telling me the story said he said actually I'm, I'm gonna I, I already have my staff and he had he'd worked ahead of time and had gotten a staff lined up so that is a brilliant brilliant thing for consorted partnership institute to offer I love it.
9: Well, I've just seen so many of the folks that I helped elect just put someone in their office. Like you said, it maybe is recommended by leadership. Uh, Sometimes it can be a K Street lobbyist. I saw that with one senator. And and (laughs) when you have have staff in your office that wants to one day work on K Street, they're always going to be pushing to do special favors and more spending. And like you said, they become an instrument of the swamp or of leadership. To push you in the wrong direction, and so um, really, over half of the battle in Washington is was get good staff around you. Like uh, Ted Cruz got good people around him, and uh, yes, and he, he did. <laughs> he, he, he carried a lot of water by himself, and that's one one thing we're trying to keep members not to do is whenever you're a solo act, they're going to they're going to take you down, no matter how good you are, and so. When we were working with folks to to try to get um, McConnell to cancel the August break until they got the funding done, it, we there were uh, there was leaders in the Senate that got 16 people to sign a letter, um, so they weren't marching out by themselves, and so getting people to, to 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 develop more of a consensus is the only way to get something done without marginalizing yourself, and a lot of that does get back to good staff. And if we can get staff that know each other in the House and the Senate where they're working together and trying to build bridges, we can get a lot more done as conservatives if we've got staff uh, kind of uh, plowing the ground in advance.
1: Okay, so almost out of time, I did want to ask you, so this new organization, and actually when did this your CPI organization get founded or how long have you been around?
9: A year, um, really. Okay. The, 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 the whole A lot of us who were at Heritage the Heritage Foundation, who uh, really helped lead the transition and did a lot of communication work for the, the whole conservative movement. Uh, we all left, came, and started a new organization because there, we just saw no one else is doing this. And the whole idea of partnership is not to duplicate what anyone's doing. We partner with other groups who are doing the grassroots groups, I mean, the grassroots work, the political work policy work. We're not trying to be a think tank. We're just trying to be that hub of the conservative movement and bring those resources to members of Congress.
1: Okay. So if you're just tuning in, I'm sorry for you, but we are about wrapping up here. We're speaking with Senator Jim DeMint, former U.S. Senator, former Congressman, and now Chairman of the Conservative Partnership Institute. One more time, your website is
9: ConservativePartnership.org. And I'd love to have folks sign up so we can keep you posted on what's really going on in Washington.
1: I love it, and I thank you so much. And I'm going to make a quick plug for one of his books. Jim DeMint has written numerous books, but the one book I want to make a plug about, I just even love the title, Falling in Love with America Again. You just got to love it. Love your writing. Love your just, I love your love of America. It's kind of what my show is all about. So, Senator DeMint, thank you so very much for calling in tonight.
9: Thank
1: you, Debbie. Bye bye. Bye bye. OK, folks, I'm telling you this idea of being in Washington and helping members of Congress and the Senate give them a place to talk about policy outside of the watchful eye of the, uh, the ruling party class. I tell you, folks, it's brilliant. So I'm Debbie George. This is America Can We Talk. We're heading off to break. Come back at the top of the hour.